Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 593, with Jack Gilmore and Tom Cam. And if you're not willing to learn from a fuck-up or a mistake, you're in the wrong business. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Here is a statistic for you. 89% of all guests will research a restaurant online before dining out. So you've got to start thinking about how you can extend your in-house hospitality and attention to detail to the online world. Bento Box is a great place to start. They will develop a restaurant website that not only leaves lasting impressions with your guests, but also provides hospitality-focused tools that are proven to drive revenue online and guests into your restaurant. Sign up today at Get bento.com slash unstoppable and save up to $1,500 on initial setup for your new restaurant website. Get on it. I'm sure you've heard of Revel, but have you heard of the Revel Advantage? It is the payment processing solution that seamlessly integrates into your Revel point of sale and platform to create a complete system tailored to your business needs. Revel manages both your POS and your payments with integrated software, hardware, and credit card processing to save you time and money so you can focus on your business. Learn more at revelsystems.com slash Stoppable. You got to check out Wisetail, a premier learning management system. Wisetail is a forward-thinking training and communication platform built to engage today's workforce. Wisetail is trusted because it grew up alongside some of the most recognized restaurants in the industry. This has helped them shape their product and its functionality through real-world feedback and rigorous testing. Wisetail can help you scale your training initiatives across all locations while empowering your employees to take control of their learning and their professional growth. To learn more, head over to www.wisetail.com unstoppable or find the banner in the show notes. And if you use my links, you'll get your first three months free after signing up for a year contract. Again, that's wisetail.com slash unstoppable. All right. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guests, Jack Gilmore and Tom Cam. My men, are you feeling unstoppable today? Unbelievable. <laughs> we're, hey, we're in Austin, Texas, man, and it's about to be spring. I've been in town for uh, almost three months now, and your names have come up multiple times, uh, what you guys are doing with your restaurants and your community. I'm really excited for this conversation. I know We you are, are super blessed to be here. <laughs> so after 20 years as executive chef and director of operations for uh, Z Tejas, did I say it right? Z, Z Tejas? Z Tejas, man. People are destroying Where are you from? my, my uh, accent, <laughs> my uh, ability to pronounce Spanish words uh, from New Hampshire. Give me a break. Uh, Jack Kilmer and Tom Cam decided to strike out on their own to open Jack Allen's Kitchen in late 2009. Ten years later, they are they have scaled the Jack Allen's concept to four locations. Additionally, they've created Salt in Traders Coastal Cooking in 2016, which is about to open its second location later this year. Uh, today, Gilmore and Cam are among the most respected names in Austin's culinary scene, not only for what they've accomplished with their restaurants, but also for the work they do in their communities. And I'm so excited to get you guys uh, to share your story, to share what you've learned over, over 50 years, combined probably close 
close to 100 years of experience. It's gonna. <laughs> it's. Crazy. I know that came out loud. <laughs> that came out really loud. <laughs> but I'm excited for it. But it's you're right. Awesome. It's crazy to think. You're right. right. Uh, so before we dive into your story and really find out how you guys pulled it off, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a successful or mantra. What do you guys got for us? All right. So here's the deal. So at the end of the day, you got to work for some really, really good people when you're young and learn the business. Mm. And that's what we did. But our mantra is real simple. Have fun, do what you do, and have a great time. Yeah. And Tom, did you want to add anything to that? Yeah. Yeah, I agree with Jack. That's always been our mantra. Everyone has fun and nobody dies. Yeah. yeah it, it's so important because this is hard work. And if you're not enjoying it, then why are you doing it, right? Oh, absolutely. But, awesome. But our... our our other mantra, and my, my, the biggest thing that we've always felt important is just surround yourself with great people, mm. and it makes your life a lot easier. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man, I cannot wait to dive into this conversation. So um, let's just first kind of start with finding out how you guys both got into the industry, because you didn't cross paths until 30 years ago. So what were you doing before you guys crossed paths? Let's go there. Well, you know, I grew up in South Texas, and, and my trade was, uh, besides playing football and going to high school, I learned how to cook, and I worked at a steakhouse seafood restaurant when i was 15 and it really really didn't do anything for me except make you know 315 an hour so it was probably beer money back in the day i'm 15 16 in the, in the valley um but it, but it provided a trade for me so when i moved to austin i really didn't love college at all so I started working with some really good people, and this is like 1979, and Talman's already here. Okay. So I guess, yeah, you were already here. At what point did you guys cross paths? Was it in the 80s? Late 80s. Late 80s. Um, so real quick, how did you get into the industry, Tom? Well, I was, going, I was attending school at the University of Texas, and I was a physical therapy major. Okay. And I would spend uh, my, my days as an intern in a hospital. And just doing some god awful horrible things in a hospital. <laughs> Don't even want to know. And then I would go to my restaurant job at night. I waited tables and was a bartender. And and I thought, man, this is a lot more fun. Everyone's having you know a lot better time. I'm and I, I kind of found found my calling right then. It just hit me. It's like this is what I want to do. So get specific. What was it about the industry that really drew you into it? You mentioned the people, but like really try to dissect exactly what it was. Well. It, to me, it was it was like I said it was a contrast between working in a hospital and, and working with with sick people, versus going to uh, a celebration every night. So I felt like, man, I'm going to a party instead of go, you know I was going to that hospital, dreading it, and then I'd go to the restaurant job and it was like a party every night. Yeah, and and the people there, I just I just you know there's something about restaurant people you just kind of connect with and and uh, we just started some life lifelong friendships and and. The money was not too bad. I, I, I was a I was in the front of the house, not a cook, so I was making the good money. Yeah, and uh, just loved it. So, uh, I guess one thing I'm curious about: at what point did you guys cross paths? Was it in the restaurant industry, or were you guys? Did you have mutual friends, or how how did the that start to happen? When did you guys really start to, I guess, rotate around each other? Well, so so I was the chef at Zetaos, and uh, we were about to grow. And we were going to open a restaurant in Phoenix after the first one on 6th Street. And so we had to hire another general manager. So Tom came on board. And Tom comes in. He looks exactly like Tom Cruise back in the day. <laughs> I'm like, 
who's this little shit coming in here trying to tell me what to do? He came in the right way and said, teach me everything you know in the back of the house. Nice. So I taught him everything I knew in the back of the house. So he knew how to roll an enchilada and do this and do that and make a sauce, make a salsa, how to fry chips and things like that. So he, well. he, he was a sponge. And I said, so I went to the guys that own the place. I said, he's the real deal. Let's get him on board and let's blow this place up. So, so when Tom came to you, uh, to uh, Z Tejas, I don't know why I'm struggling with this. Z Tejas. Z Tejas, thank you. Uh, when when uh, Tom came to Z Tejas, so did, were you just a, a front of house server or were you a manager? What was your title? I was the first manager that they hired as they were starting to grow. Just sit right into the mic for me real quick. Yeah, I was the first manager that they hired as they started to grow. So they brought me on as a as a general manager. I had owned a I owned my own restaurant in Round Rock, um, and oh. kind of had a bad experience with my partners there. Okay. Uh, so I I left, and we were about to have our first kid, and I took six months off and ran into uh, uh, Larry and Guy that that owned Zetaos and talked to them, and I liked what they were doing, and I liked the opportunity that was going to be there, and and they brought me on and and so I'm just going to go growing. deep into your individual stories real quick uh, and kind of get the the idea of of how, what set you up for when you uh, eventually crossed paths. So you said you opened your your had already opened your own restaurant. You had some some challenges. I mean, we do like to dive into into the challenges, into the uh, quote unquote failures. But are they really failures if you learn something? Is kind of the mentality I like oh, to have. Yeah. So going into that situation with your old partner, uh, what did you come out of that experience learning? How were you better after that? Well, it, it, it was in the late, late 80s, and there, you know, this was before technology and computers, and, and I was 29 years old, and I wanted to have my own restaurant before I was 30, and so I, I just dove in, and I worked you know, 80 to 90 hours a week, around the, you know, around the clock, seven days a week, and, and uh, really did a little bit of everything there, but it, this was in Round Rock, which is a small city outside of Austin before Dell made it big. What was the name of your, your restaurant? I'm just curious. So we can... It's called La Margarita. La Margarita. It's, it's actually okay. still there. Is yeah. it? Oh, yeah. cool. Um, so, but, but my, my partners brought me on to help them out and they, the restaurant was, it was already open. They were losing money. Okay. I came in, did my thing. We started making money and, uh, they had given me 40% of the company. Wow. And so I started making, we, I paid off their debt, turned the, turned the business around, and then they fired me. Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> um, man, w- reflecting back at it, why do you think that happened? Uh, greed on their part. Okay. Oh, I'm and, sorry. And that, I mean, that was a, all those things are big, have been big lessons in our life, and it's the way that Jack and I interact with our employees now is all those are building blocks of memories of the way we were treated and the way that. Uh, you know, the industry, especially in that in that day, treated treated their their people, and uh, you know it's it's been something that we've taken with us, and make sure that we don't make those same mistakes. Yeah. So in our, in our business. So you're, I said, around 29 years old. So you had made the decision to uh, commit yourself to hospitality. I'm assuming probably in your mid 20s, were you working part time in restaurants while still pursuing? The uh, athletic or was it athletic training or physical th- therapy? Yeah, no, I, I I gave up on the physical therapy, got a degree in marketing, okay, and then I uh, you know bounced around from restaurant to restaurant uh, as a as a manager. I'd manage for a while, I get tired of that, I'd go back to waiting tables and tending bar and having fun. And 
So, you know, so, then I got married and had a kid and yeah, had to get serious. Yeah, and, I hear you. One thing I like to do is is to identify one key mentor, somebody that really stood out to you, somebody who really transformed who you were as a professional. Is there, is there anybody like that in the, the early years of coming up and getting experience and developing yourself as a professional that really had an impact on you? Uh, in the early years, not not so much. There was there was one manager that I really liked, and his name was Dave Bear, and I, I still run into him from time to time, and I blame him for getting me into the restaurant business. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it that he taught you? How did he influence you? Uh, just he was a nice guy, and he ta- yeah, I didn't really know anything about the restaurant business, and he kind of took me under his his his, his wing and and taught me you know how to take care of people, which a lot of that was instinct, but but. Uh, some of it is is learned and how how to really make people feel feel good about themselves and have a great experience. Is there one nugget that you can reflect? I know it was a long time ago. One nugget that one specific thing he taught you that you can share with us now. Yeah, I think look people in the eye and smile. Yes. What does that do? Why why is that so significant? It's real simple because it makes a connection. Mm. You got to have a connection uh, and people like to feel recognized. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. Um, And, you had mentioned that you got fired from this job that you owned 50% of the business after, after turning it around and getting, making them profitable, profitable again, uh, knowing what you know now, what would you have done to protect yourself in that situation? You know, I don't think I wanted to be in that situation anymore. So it was, <laughs> so it, it was a blessing it, in disguise. It was a blessing in disguise for sure. And then it opened the door to, you know, I took like, took six months off. My first child was being born and, and uh, then my wife said, you know, go, get, go, go do, go get a job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so one th- other thing I'm curious about, you said that you didn't want to be there anymore. What was going on in the situation that made it so uninhabitable for you? Um, well, it was, it was the relationship with my partners that re- was really deteriorating and, and they didn't respect me. Mm. Um, and I didn't respect them. And it became, uh, you know, just a, a, uh, it was no, it wasn't fun anymore. Yeah. So you're, you're kind of butting heads with somebody and you, you have a, a vision and, and a direction and you're trying to take it there and, and they're, and they're beating it down. So let's flip the mic back over to, to uh, Jack now, because, um, I want to do the same thing. We kind of dove into Tom's history, pulled out key mentors. Uh, I know it was 16 years old. Uh, you're 16 years old when you got into the industry. How yep. long, how much time passed before getting, uh, on the Z, uh, Tejas? Did I say it so, right very very similar story you know i moved to austin tried to get into ut decided i didn't want to be a civil engineer and i said i have a trade i think i know how to cook so i went applied for a restaurant or a job as a cook and uh i remember the kitchen manager telling me well actually who hired me was guy villavaso and it was his restaurant, and guys known throughout this community as starting, you know, Shadows and Zetaos and Eddie V's and Hop Dottie and ATX and all this other stuff. So he's an incredible mentor, but he's the one that hired me. But I had to talk to the kitchen manager, and the kitchen manager said, your job is to take my job in three months. I said, I'll have it in six weeks. <laughs> and I had it, like, in two weeks. Oh, really? You know? I was that driven because I needed to make the money because at that time I was dating a really, really incredible lady and I married her and we started having kids right away. But uh, to me, it was like, okay, this is my career. I'm going to learn what I can, do the best I can. And, and if I don't agree with something, that's fine. Let me see what you do 
And then if I can make it better, I'll make it better. And that's what I try to do. But at the end of the day, you know, in the restaurant business, it can be extremely stressful. And it was. I was the asshole. I don't know if I could say that on you your podcast. You can say whatever. I was the asshole. I was the Gordon Ramsay from hell. So I just want to make sure. Is this at Z's or ZTS? No, it was, it was a restaurant way back okay, in the day four, called okay. Shadows. Gotcha. And then uh, I, we, they opened up Shea Fred, and I was at Shea Fred. This is way back in the day, before you were even born. I think it was probably 81, 82, maybe. Yeah. So I opened up that uh, with Guy and Larry. And it was a American cafe, French bakery. So I learned a lot about baking, learned a lot about sauces and all that stuff with an incredible chef named Robert Mayberry. Okay. And to this day, if you go to Jack Allen's Kitchen, our gravy is based off of Robert's recipe. So any key mentors up to this point, anybody who really influenced who you are today, helped mold who you became? You know, I don't want to leave anybody out, but there's been many. (laughs) So I was fortunate enough to work with some incredible people in Austin, not just Austin, but but New Mexico, Arizona, Louisiana, things like that, just rounded me up. But my true calling card was my wife and I were married. We had one son. We're about to have another one. We lived in Fredericksburg for three years. Okay. And Fredericksburg is a German ground community about 80 miles north or south, 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 what is it? Anyway, up there. (laughs) And now it's a wine community, but I got to work with uh, three German master chefs for three years. Wow. And at the time, so one would be there for a year, visa run out, another one would come in, visa run out, another one would come in. So I got to work with three of them. At the time, there were only 50 German, uh, there were only 50 master chefs on the planet, and I got got to work with three of them. So what did you learn from these guys? What were some of the ways? I mean, we, everything. We, we try to learn more about who and the values, the the not so much the technical detail of cooking, but on how to be and how to present. You know, yourself. you know, you can't teach passion. You can't teach the grind. You have it or you don't. What is passion in your opinion? Exactly. Passion to me is I give a shit. Mm. I care about everything that goes on a plate. I care about where it comes from. I care about how it's cut. I care about how it's served. And I care about the people eating it. And I see every plate that goes out. And I see every plate that comes back. And if there's food left over, I want to know why. Mm. You know what I mean? So so they showed you the level of give a shit that is possible. Big time. Big time. Anything else you learn from these guys? Man, it's... You don't have enough time for me to tell you everything <laughs> I learned, but but they were the best. And and that was, instead of going to culinary school, I got lucky and I got to work for them. Okay. One thing I liked about what you shared with us is that you were so intentional, both of you were so intentional, uh, and you you went places to learn. And you weren't just there for a job and letting the world act on you. You were acting on the world. You're saying, like, you know, I'm going to make this my bitch. <laughs> you, know, you know, Tom and I, after about me knowing Tom for 10 years, I was a little different position than Tom because my kids were a little bit older. But about year 10, year 12, Tom and I were like, hey, let's open our own joint. I was like, well, I don't have any money. And Tom says, well, I damn sure don't have any money. So let's wait. And then, you know, 
develop our craft. Let's figure out what we're going to do. So every year after that, it's like, let's go do our own. Let's go do our own. Let's go do our own. And finally, about year 20 on my part, I'm like, you know, I've been ready for a couple of years. And Tom finally said, fuck it. Let's do it. <laughs> and that's what we did. But, I love it. But in between all that, we got to learn what to do, what not to do, how to treat people, how to build a restaurant from, from a blueprint to sticks up to opening day. And we did it from the West Coast to the East Coast. And uh, Tom and I were on a plane 200 days a year on the road, 200 days a year for a while, and it got old. But it was school. We went to school on somebody else's dime, and we learned what, to, what not to do. Yeah, so Where you knew what to do. I think we should dive into some of these lessons as far as what you learned on the road during this time, being shoulder to shoulder, traveling all over the nation, opening these restaurants. Uh, before we dive into that real quick, one other thing that I want to highlight about the, the one of the characteristics I'm picking up from you guys, which I really think needs to be uh, brought to the service, is when you go into a situation, um, you don't go in trying to dictate. You go in trying to learn. You keep your mouth right. shut and you ask questions right. and you learn. I think that's right. something that's really important because it came up in both of your stories. Uh, maybe you, you, earlier on, Jack, you said you were kind of the Gordon Ramsay. I know it all. But yep. um, but there's still that part of you that was really curious and looking to learn first. Is that safe to say? Well, you know, that's the thing. It's like, you know, when you when you hit a restaurant in a different city, you got two or three days to really get the point across and, and try to develop the culture. Culture means a lot to Tom and I. And what I mean by culture is the feeling that you walk in. And if you walk into Jack Allen's kitchen, you know it's Jack and Tom are involved. It's the culture that we're trying to reproduce. Okay. And it's easy to actually, it's super easy to do because Tom and I are in the restaurants every day. And when we traveled, it was like he and I were like the hit squad. Like, shit, Tom and Jack are here. Are you on your A game? Instead of doing the right thing 24-7, day in, day out, take care of your people and all that stuff. But I hated to be that guy that was considered the hit squad. So we go to Phoenix. We had four restaurants in Phoenix. And there was like, the big bear is leaving right now. He'll be in your <laughs> restaurant in 20 minutes. T-minus. Yeah. That's bullshit. It really pissed me off. Why? But, but, I, but I had a relationship with everybody at all the restaurants and i knew everybody's name i tried to back of the house front of the house because it was always changing it was different but i hated i hated being known as that you know and i definitely hated just surprising them hey i'm here okay i want to really start to dissect some of the things you learned from this restaurant group or this, this was it a franchise technically or a corporation uh, it was a corporation corporation yeah. i'm sure they taught you a ton let's swing the the mic over to tom and kind of dive in from a director of operations. actually actually let me stop you right there yeah they didn't teach us shit they didn't teach you shit no wow we learned on our own okay we knew what to do how to do it why to do it and Maybe and that all that explains why you were in the positions you were in. Yeah, you were like, the you were the, mean, the students. That nobody were. needed to teach us anything. We knew what to do. Okay, you know what I mean? It's like let's do the right thing. So, but, but how, sorry. In a, in a corporate world, it's all about the bottom line. Can we buy that chicken cheaper? The tuna cheaper? Can we get it frozen? Can we make the mayonnaise? You know, can we buy the mayonnaise? Things like that. And I fought it, and I fought it, and I fought it. I said no. It's not what we're. That's not who we are. Yeah. So I got tired of fighting the fight. Uh, 
so 20, you guys spent 20 years together before even opening this restaurant, um, or not this, well, all of your restaurants, right. um, 30 years uh, as, uh, I guess, guests as partners, technically. Even yes. though you weren't technically partners at the corporation, you were working together. Yeah, we, uh, were, we were partners. So let's, let's go back to where you guys first started to cross paths. Uh, Jack already mentioned that when you walked in, he said, this is the real deal. Like, you, you got to, you know, pay attention to this guy because you came in. You started asking questions. What was going through your mind when you for, when you came on team the team at uh, – I'm just going to call it Z's because I don't t- – tell you how. <laughs> like, why is this guy such an asshole? No. <laughs> no, it, it was uh, – like I said it was a young company, and it was at a time when 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 technology was starting to change. And restaurant, you never really saw restaurants be as busy as they are today and do the numbers they are today, just because technology has 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 uh, provided that. So that was one of the first steps that I took with them: is let's get technology up to speed. We we didn't have a POS system; we had handwritten tickets. So as a manager, you'd spend all your time you know, uh, at a cash register or, or not really concentrating on what's going on, on the floor, what's going on in the kitchen and, and, re- and how that's all connecting. So uh, that was my first observation of in working with Jack and, and, and seeing what he could do and, and then, and how we get how we can serve more people and get faster. So we're, the, and, keep in mind, this is like late nine or late early nineties, late 80s, early nineties yeah. when you came on, and you're having the conversation like let's implement, uh, let's increase our systems, processes, procedures by putting a, a POS in place. So you were kind of you were really ahead of the curve at that point. Yeah. Um, what else? I mean, what, how did you? What was the influence you had when you came on this team? Jack was already there, but how did you come to this team? And what? What aside from implementing the POS, what other things did you do to uh, turn this this uh, restaurant around? Um, I observed and listened, and uh, there was a really cool thing, and we still do it today. They had a they had a book um, where the servers and managers wrote in it every night. So we still we still we still managers use this log. low technology. Uh, it's actually a servers log. The servers okay. The servers get feedback from every guest about the food and they and write it every night about what's going on with the food what's going on with the service and then they the servers rank rate how the shift went and managers can managers also would 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 give their insight so i think what i learned is 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 to listen and see what's going on and then rather than getting uh you know rather that being a roadblock the things that were wrong we we jack and i learned to work together to to uh to come up with solutions. Okay. And so, that's really what, you, you know, a good manager gets rid of roadblocks and creates solutions. Let, so. Let's, I love that, by the way, but let's dive into the significance of having a log and what that log did for you. Cause that's something we can all implement in our business, whether it's an actual physical hard piece of paper and pen or a digital log, you can do that. We can all do that. So what is the intention of that log and how do you make the most out of it? I'm going to pass it to Jack. Yeah. I yeah. Him to tackle that. So, so it's kind of our version of a in-house Yelp. Okay. So I don't need that log if I'm in the restaurant at night because I talk to everybody. When I say everybody, I talk to a lot of people. But uh, it, it's a learning tool. So if we run a special one night, they say, you know, that salmon Florentine, I'm just making stuff up, was off the charts. That could be a menu item or not. But it's really one of those things where it guides us in-house. And it's not just for Tom and I. It's for our management staff. It's for our wait staff. It's for our our bus staff, our bar staff, host staff. Everybody's kind of rated or graded that way. 
So it's not a tool for just Tom and I. It's a tool for everybody. So so if a hostess comes in and she worked last night, she'll read the log and says, you know what? Seating was terrible. This was that. This is that. Could have been nicer. You ran out of menus or whatever. She'll learn from it. Or else. Yeah. I mean, it's a way to collect data. It's a way to increase communication. And it's also a way to measure the the, the level of happiness in your business. The one thing that you, you mentioned that I really like is like rate today's shift on a scale from like what? One to ten? Like where were we? It's one to five. One to five. Yeah. So if you get and, like three people putting down a three. And and I call bullshit on fives. <laughs> Five is perfect. Okay. And I've yet to have a perfect shift. But, so, so if you're seeing like a two come up, right? Or a, a one come up. I know where to work. You know that instantly, like that's a red got flag. An issue. And yeah. why not give your people that opportunity to yeah. raise alert? You know, you know, I don't have anything against Yelp, but I'd rather listen to our, our staff or team than anybody else. Yeah. And, and it's not meant to hurt anybody's feelings. And the only, the only way it works is you got to be a hundred percent honest. Mm. Honesty sucks. It does. I mean, when the kitchen's running 20 minute ticket times, it's hard to hear. But it's the truth. Yeah. So fix it. So implementing this log is one thing that you guys did early on. What are some of the other things that you – where did you even learn that? I'm curious. Was that something you did on your own or did you – No, we did it back in the day at, at okay. Z Days. Gotcha. We've done it for 30 years now. Okay. And, and, it, and it makes sense. You know, And we haven't tweaked it in nine years and three months. Wow. At all. That's amazing. Um, so what else did you guys do over at Z's to kind of – to get to the point where you guys climb the ladder and you, I, you know, I don't know, but, uh, you know, I don't know about that, but, but we had, I was stuck in the kitchen. I couldn't go out at all. Okay. I mean, I was stuck in the kitchen, you know, Tom got to go around and talking to people and he was stuck out front. So he couldn't go in the kitchen. So I always told Tom, I said, I got the kitchen. Don't worry about it. Take her to the front. Don't worry about it, but we're going to interact. And a lot of times, Tom would point that finger and say, we're going outside. We're yeah. talking. I'm like, oh, shit. I pissed Tom off. Well, <laughs> and for whatever reason, he was right. So I learned from that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I and th- if you're not willing to learn from a fuck up or a mistake, you're in the wrong business. What was the biggest fuck up that Tom ever called you out on? Oh, there's been a lot. I mean, there's not one. There's not one, but he's always been right. I mean, no, well, Tom's got it. Tom's got it. Here you go. Yeah. No, so, you know, when Jack when Jack got going in the kitchen, he would get going in the kitchen. And What do you and, mean get going? What do you mean by that? You know, he'd kind of get worked up and be, okay. be a chef and be screaming. Temperatures flaring. And, and, uh, and a hostess came back and was communicating with Jack, and, and he was kind of a, an asshole to her. And after the shift, I said, you know, do you remember? Do you even remember talking that way to that that hostess? And he said no. And I said, well, what if someone talked to your wife that way? And he thought about it, and it 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 uh, something went off in his head, and he goes, yeah, I, I get it now, I get it. But but you just kind of in the heat of the, the heat of the battle, sometimes things got out of, out of hand. But yeah. But, Sometimes you just got to talk it over afterwards, and yeah, and the light bulb comes on. You know, a couple of things from that. First, I mean, just the power of self awareness and emotional intelligence, and being mindful of how you're coming off to other people. You recognizing that, then also a way to approach your business partner in a way that's like non threatening, but also supportive. Where you're like, hey, check yourself before you wreck yourself. But you did it in a way. I'm, what was it like when he called you on this? What was your initial? Were you feeling threatened by him, or what was that like? You know, 
bottom line, he was 100% right. And I know, I knew I was that way. Um, but the minute he said that, it flipped a switch, and I think I've changed. Yeah. So, so I kind of took it as it was, and he was right. So I started chilling out a little bit, and then at the end of the day, putting out great food, timely manner, everybody's having a great time, staff and all that. You know, I was one of those guys that servers would hate coming to me and say, hey, do you mind putting that gravy on the side? And I would say, fuck yeah, I mind. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I know what they're going to do. They're going to dump it on there, but, but I learned from it. Yeah. And it got me better. It got me to where I am now. Awesome. So, so if you're not willing to hear criticism, you know, as well as accolades, then you're you're in the wrong effing business. Mm, awesome. So it, it really matters. Yeah, it really so matters. We this is usually around the point. And, and and by the way, that shit doesn't happen anymore <laughs> for me or for any of our staff, and we won't put up with it. Beautiful, uh, Tom. Looks like you want the mic. Do you want to add something onto that? You know, so I think that probably the biggest change in Jack and I over ye- over the years was kind of a, a mellowing because I, w- you know, I was no saint either. You know, we both had a temper and 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 held people accountable, which we still do, but um, not always in the best manner. So I think we, over the years we've mellowed and learned how to motivate people without without scaring them. Um, so. That that to me is is probably if you look at where we were in the early '80s to where we are in the late teens, that you know that that's the biggest change is how how to motivate people with without screaming at them and throwing plates against the wall. And, Making a note to dive deeper into that how yeah. to motivate people mm-hmm. without screaming. Uh, anything else? No. Jack, did you want to chime in? You're good. So we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors, and then we'll dive into the story of Jack Islands and how you guys scaled this business along with uh, Salt Traders, right? Yes. Um, Okay. Your job as a restaurant owner or manager is to paint a picture of the job done right and to empower your employees with the tools and knowledge they need to excel. This is why you need to check out Wisetail, a premier learning management system trusted by our industry's most recognized names. With Wisetail, quickly scale your training initiatives across all locations, empower your employees to take control of their own learning and professional growth, foster communication and engagement through their integrated training and communication tools and ensure long-term scalable success with the help of their best in-breed client experience team. They'll take you from goal setting and implementation to ongoing strategy and best practices training to make sure you maximize your ongoing investment in your training and your programs. And if you use my links, you'll get your first three months free after signing up for a year contract. Again, that's wisetail.com slash unstoppable or find the banner in the show notes. We're back. And before we really dive into uh, how you guys got the will to, to break free and to uh, the courage, you know, to break free and to start Jack Allen's, there was one story, Jack, that you that I that I read about you and your son and how you mentored him into this industry. Take take it from there. I think you know what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so my son Bryce Gilmore, uh, actually, it's Bryce Allen Gilmore. Okay, um, you know he, he kind of got the bug. You know, 
you know, remember when you're 15, 16, you want to start making money? Yeah. And he said, hey, Dad, can I work at Zeta House for, for a bit? And uh, I need to make some money. You know, it's, it's beer money or, you know, actually what it was was insurance money because we bought him a Jeep. Okay. So it was that matter of fact. So he started busting tables and he started, he said, Dad, I don't like being in front. Not that I'm not good at it, but I'd rather be in the back with you. So we put them in the salad area. The, we call it pantry. So he started making salads for us. And he's probably 16 at this point. Did it for about six months, you know, after high school or during the summer and things like that. And then, you know, by the time he was 17, he was doing expediting, which means all the food that comes out from the kitchen gets plated. And then the plates go on a tray, and the tray goes out to table 14, and all four people know exactly what they're having. So it's probably the, besides hostess, it's probably the most important job in the restaurant is hostess and then expediting. So he did that for about six years or six months, and he was phenomenal. He was great. So by the time senior came up, he's he was really had the bug. We always thought he was going to be an architect because he He'd build models, build houses and stuff like that as a kid, you know, with trees and two-story this and floor plan, all that. But at the end of the day, a a really good chef is really an architect because they build it. Attention to detail. So so he graduated high school, and then we were opening up six restaurants throughout the country from Seattle to Salt Lake to Orange County, California to Baltimore, Maryland, and so on and so forth. So he and I hit the road, and he was my right-hand man training um, expediters. So he really got the bug. But he, he got in there early enough where he could see the walls up and the equipment being delivered and this and that and all, all the small wares coming in, all the plateware and glassware coming in and break it down and put it away and all that stuff. And he really dug it. So we did that for about a year, the whole year. of I mean, we were on the road. 300 days at that time, which was grueling. But at least I was with my son. And, uh, you know, I remember one night, you know, we tried to share a hotel room. And I was snoring so bad. He he had a pillow (laughs) over my face trying to smother me. I say, dude, you're getting your own room tomorrow. (laughs) That's awesome. So, So he got the bug. So, And I discourage culinary school to a lot of people because it's 50 grand yeah, and most of the time it's a waste and you're not coming out making a lot of money either it's a waste yeah if especially if you already work in a restaurant you know but i kind of said okay we're gonna find you the best culinary school in america after touring several on the east coast and miami and you know up northeast and all that we settled in on on uh California Culinary Academy in San Francisco. So he went there, got his degree. But at the same time, what I always told him is work for the best people you can. Once you figure out how to do it and you learn what you can from them, move on. Yeah. So he, on his own credit card, he flew wherever he needed to go and he stayed wherever he needed to go and maxed out his credit card a couple times. Um, without our support, uh, my wife and I support, 
And he did it on his own. Yeah. So, but to, to to act on that advice that you gave to to be able to, to to travel to go work for the best and to to learn what you can and move on, you need to have low liabilities to be able to pull that off. That type of lifestyle, being on the road, traveling, uh, you're not making a lot of money, so you can't let the liabilities of school loans hold you back from getting that experience. And you can get way better, realistic on the job training experience. Doing that approach, I mean, he still ended up going to college. Uh, he was able to, to pull it yep. off, uh, but I see why you're saying I don't really believe. But it, it, you know, it's it, if you talk to my son Bryce, his, one of his mentors is uh, is she owns a Boulevard in San Francisco, and he called her. I can't remember her name. I think it's I can't remember her name, but he called her and said, uh, "I want to come and stage at your restaurant." When you say stage, I'm going to come to your restaurant and work for free. And hopefully you'll hire me. And at that time, he was back in Austin. And so he flew out there on his dime. And within four hours, she said, you're hired. Beautiful. And he said, shit, I should have brought all my stuff. <laughs> so he came back to Austin, got all his stuff, drove his truck out there and, and set it all up. So he worked at one of the best restaurants in America. Yeah, and uh, we're talking about your son Bryce Gilmore, Bryce Allen Gilmore, uh, who it, yep. who opened or start, when he came back to Austin after doing all these staging, he opened the trailer, the Odd Duck, uh, which later became the Bar of Swine, which later became Odd Duck, the Brick and Mortar, which later became uh, Sour Duck. And I had his business partners Mark on the show and his earlier business partner Sam Hellman Mass on the show, yep. and these guys are great, and they met um, staging going and, around the world at Aspen. Aspen, Colorado, yeah. on top of a mountain. But that that approach to getting into the industry, to go work for the best, and to be the most, not the most unintelligent, but the, the, the least experienced person in the room at all times, and surrounding yourself with people that have more skills than you, that's the fast track, in my opinion, to get places in this industry, well, and I he, wanted to highlight that. You probably need to talk to Bryce, but his whole He's on my radar. <laughs> his whole thing, and, and I'll get to you on there, but his whole thing about the trailer and all that stuff was absurd. I'm like, you're effing crazy. <laughs> can't wait but to he did it. Yeah, he did. And he was connected yep. with Sam and Mark and several other people. But uh, it turns out that uh, the day we opened up Jack Allen's in Oak Hill was the day he opened up his trailer. I noticed that you, the, you guys opened right around the same time. I yeah. was curious about that. We were one day apart, and he opened up on his birthday, and I think we opened on the 19th, 18th. Interesting. So, so, so to this day, I mean, he's regarded as one of the top t- – Chefs in America, mm-hmm. Food and Wine Magazine, James Beard, and all that stuff. Must but, be uh, proud. I'm super proud. I can only imagine. But he's so humble about what he does, and all he cares about is the farmers and his staff. Mm. And uh, if you do that, if you start there, you're going to be very – very successful. Well, hopefully I get an hour with Bryce, but we're here to talk about your story. We'll bring it back to that. I just wanted to highlight that advice, that 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 guidance that you gave him because I, you know, without that, where would he be today? Well, I I tell you what, you know, Tom touched on, you know, his wife and my wife. You can't be successful in this business without incredible support from the family mm-hmm. and the wives. And Bryce's wife is so supportive. She's a doctor got a baby boy that's four years old now so she's got her own career he's got his career and they just meet but you cannot be successful without having a home base where you go to and say i'm home i love it let me take my stinky shoes off you okay with that 
Uh, I'm glad you're home. Kind <laughs> yeah, of thing. I love it. So you guys finally build up the courage to break off, do your own thing after 10 years of talking about it. What what happened after the, at the 20 year mark that said, okay, now we're ready. How do you guys know you're ready? We were ready. We just knew it. Uh, at the time, I'm going to tell the story, Tom. At the time, we were looking, but we weren't hard looking. But we got a phone call from Tom's brother and said, hey, I got somebody that's got some money that uh, wants to open a restaurant. I'm like, is this guy crazy? I mean, it's going to take some money to really do this. So we met and uh, and uh, we talked and he got to know Tom and I. And he said, uh, I'm not going to share any names, but he said, you know, I want a restaurant. I'm like, really? He said, no, I want to do a restaurant. I want to be, I want to invest. And he checked Tom and I out based on our history and what we did and what we have accomplished. He said, I'm all in. By the way, I think I have the rest of the money and I think I have a location. So that one day we said, okay, where is it? And it was Oak Hill. So I already knew Oak Hill's spot, Oak Hill Jack Allen's spot. Tom never been that far south, right? <laughs> so so we went and I said, this is a home run. If you can put the money together, let's do it. So we went through a lot of other incarnations of that and finding the money and all that stuff, getting a budget and all that stuff together. But the minute you walk up on a building, you either feel it or you don't. So what was it about this building that made you feel it? It it was a it was a it was a thing of beauty that had great bones but it needed love and it was a neighborhood and at the at the end of the day that's what we wanted we didn't want to be on i-35 and serve the masses we wanted to be in a neighborhood we wanted to get back Mm. and it was just a perfect site and and the money was right the deal was perfect it's like let's do it and at that point we had no idea what we're going to call it we had no idea what we were going to serve. We had no idea that there was a second bar involved. We had no idea there was a creek. So I said, let's do it, and we'll figure the rest out. The so rest is easy. One thing I love, sometimes people will write to me asking, what's your advice like, uh, for building the business plan? I need to have a good business plan because I, I don't want to get investors. I need to have that good business plan to get the investors. I'm like, you might not be ready to open a restaurant until you have people coming at you, throwing you money because of the reputation that you've developed. When you get to that point where you've been in the industry, you've developed a reputation, you have the experience, and people are coming to you because they see the value in who you've become, I feel like that's when you know it's time. Is, that, is Am I far off by making well, that statement? You know, one of the we we kind of went through this, like Jack said, over the years we had talked about different different concepts, and I think I wrote maybe ten different business plans over the years. But at the end of the day, we we never could find the money. So once we once we found someone that believed in us, then it, then the business plan was important. But the fact that I could write it in a in a day and a half because I I can read a restaurant P&L and I can put together yeah. I can put together performance for the next five years and, and answer an investor's questions then we had, then we were we were ready don't get me wrong but, I'm but, not going to undervalue yeah, the, the but, a good business plan but now I mean so we struggled for years trying to find the money that's what held us back but now not a day goes by where we don't get a call or an email saying hey 
you know, what, we want to invest in your in your company, and we're, we're like, well, you're too late. You know, <laughs> where were you? Where were you ten years ago or right. eleven years ago? But I, I think I totally hear hear what you're saying. Um, and like I said, you cannot undervalue a good business plan because it, it's a key variable. You need to have it. But people don't invest in business plans; they invest in the people. No, I I, I agree. I <laughs> so, absolutely agree. That's what, but. If you're struggling with a business plan, then you probably don't know the business well enough and you probably don't know yourself well enough to to move forward. Go back and get some more experience yeah. where, you know, Which is, the business plan took us, you know, less than a half a day to write because we just felt it. So we weren't sure what it was, what it was called, but so we knew what it was. You guys were talking about opening a, opening a place together for, was it like 10 years you said that you yeah. started bouncing uh, the idea? Um and you made it happen after 20 years, but even when you had the money, you didn't even know what the look, like the name of the restaurant was going to be, what you're going to be serving. So take us through that process of, of developing the vision, of committing the vision to writing, and of developing that concept. Well, uh, it was 2009, so if you remember, there was a, a pretty big recession going on at the time, and, and most people were not thinking about opening businesses, but I just felt, especially in Austin, because we, the recession really never hit that hard here. But I felt like we were, you know, riding the surf, and and, the, and that wave was about to hit. You know, we, we had the dip, and now the wave was about to hit, and I could just feel it. And we were able to go out and and source, you know, contractors and architects, and get everyone at a really cheap price. I mean, we we left Zetaos in October, and we opened December of in the same year, so three months. You, you can't do that anymore. Where wow. where we just kind of put everything together, everything fell into place. The name, the concept, the, the what we wanted to do. You know, I created a cocktail menu. Jack created a food menu, and and all this was just because of our experience and our trust in one another. It it it, it never happened again. You know, we opened for uh, you know less than a million dollars. We opened a, a four hundred seat restaurant that um, you know that that is is our still our busiest restaurant in the concept. So. Wow. Uh, it, it was it was just good timing, and and belief in one another, and the and the economy and all that. So you guys opened the restaurant. What were the first couple of days like? Take us to that point where you you know you develop your systems, what you think your systems are going to be, and then you turn the key. Take us through the evolution during the, the early days. That was that's still kind of blurry. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not blurry to me. Okay. So so Tom and I really um relied on our relationships with a lot of key employees you know our first three people that we hired still work for us wow key positions you know we still have a lot of original people what were those positions i'm curious one's a general manager one's that our chef and one's our our immediate go-to gal anita she does HR, payroll, all that stuff. She, she, she's Tom's second wife, my second wife, and she takes care of the whole thing. So, did you pull these people from the Z Tejas uh, group? Or you know, they, they, they knew we were going to do what we we're going to do, and they followed us. And, and, you know, I could probably name 50, 60 people that I've that Tom and I have relationships for the last 20 years working in our kitchens or front of the house. And, uh, and literally, I mean, I'm, you know, I remember when they were, you know, starting off dishwashers. Now they're chefs. Wow. You know, at all the restaurants, 
So, so we have that built in. I can go to sleep at night because I know Rojo's there or Javier's there or so Caesar's you, there. You started with that foundation of solid people that you could lean on and trust. We knew we were going to have no problem with staffing. The biggest issue with Oak Hill back in the day was staffing, but we knew we were going to get staffed no matter what. Yeah. Now we would, cook, you know, they'd call us and say, Hey, you're opening a restaurant. What's going to be called? And we're like, I don't know. <laughs> we don't know. So it was one of those banters back and forth. We hired a design person that helped us with the logo and that. And we went through incarnations of what to name the restaurant. And it, somebody said, hey, what's your middle name? I said, Alan. They said, well, what do you think about Jack Allen's? I said, well, we got to have kitchen in there somewhere because it's all about the food. Mm-hmm. And then so it was Jack Allen's kitchen and patio bar. Got you. And uh, that's what it was. So really what I want to put emphasize, emphasis on that, uh, the importance of having that foundation, of having those key players early on that you can lean on, that you can rely on. Because uh, you can't – I mean – I don't think you can do it by yourself. You're, you're only as good. You've mentioned it earlier, Tom. You're only as good as the people that you surround yourself with. Uh, and I think maybe you both mentioned it uh, throughout today's conversation. Uh, so what was it like after you guys opened up and you're, you're, now you're open? Like what, that was the original question. Like what, was, what, was the, what were those early days like? Well, let me, let me go back to investors and things like that. Yeah, yeah. People trying to get started. But uh, you know, the main thing is when Tom and I say what we're going to do, it's with honesty, respect, and integrity. If we say you're going to get your money back, you're going to get your money back. You know, a lot of restaurateurs nowadays, they, whether go through a, you know investors or a bank, it's not always the case. But our main goal whenever we open a restaurant is we get a pile of money and we build a restaurant and we pay them back. That's our deal. And investors love that. You know, otherwise... It's nice to say you have a restaurant, but you don't get paid back, but they get paid back. So your original investor, is he still a partner today, or did you pay him back? Is he out of it? You know, partner is kind of a weird word. I I would say investors. Okay. Um, because they don't flip a burger. Yeah. They don't seat a table. They don't clean a table. So they're investors. So they invested, and now they've been, I'm assuming, paid back, all of your investors. Or in the early, the early restaurants. Yeah, the early restaurants. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Awesome. So... Huge lesson there. Integrity. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Do what you say and then say what you do. Okay. So was it 2016 or no, 14? When was the second location open? 2012. 12. Okay. So you guys, it took you two years to go from one to two locations. Yep. How did you know you were ready for that second location? What, where did you get location? Uh, one here's a real to? funny story. It's like uh, you, you, we wanted to build a restaurant company with multi-concepts. Okay. We knew that up front. All the investors knew that. And and we were knee-deep into Oak Hill. And by the way, Oak Hill, we had no idea what we were going to do there. I mean, we stood up meeting one with 80 people we just hired. And we stood up honestly with everybody's like, we don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> we don't know what's going to sell. And we don't know what's going to happen. But... We will adapt day to day. So we had 10 menus the first month adapting to either pricing or what we called something or what sold, what didn't sell. We'd get rid of it, put something else on. 
And the only way you can do that is li- listen to the guest and listen to the gonna, to the employees. I'm thinking that log must have been so handy at this well, the, during these but, early days. But that's really what it was. Yeah. And I mean, I remember the first night we opened was, you know, there was, you know, our number one seller was Cruise Light. I'm like that can't be Coors Light. <laughs> it cannot be Coors Light. So my goal as a chef was how do I beat Coors Light? So we start adding stuff. Anyway, we got to where we wanted to be. But but Round Rock was uh, – Tom grew up in Round Rock. Went to school there in Round Rock. Knew Round Rock better than anybody else. And he came to me and said, let's do a restaurant in Round Rock. I'm like, where's that? <laughs> so this is 2012. Before we yeah. talk about the second location, uh, one thing I want to pull from uh, just that, that quick little story of, of being open and honest – with your people from day one and bringing them in and saying, this is where we are and, and not trying to like, you know, uh, I don't even know the right words for it, but treating them like you're equal when you're having the conversation saying, this is the, the this is it. This is transparency. This well, is, one of my mantras, one of my mantras is check your ego at the door. Mm. You don't know everything. I don't know everything. I know a lot, but I wish I knew more, but check your ego at the door. Here's what we're going to do. How has that mantra served you? incredible yeah yeah it's like you know it's it's changed my life can you explain what the result of checking your ego at the door does when you do walk in like what that having that certain presence the the impact of that presence you know it's one of those things where i know way deep down inside i don't know everything but uh but i know what people want but but it's changing i mean I'm the anti-technology guy. You know what I mean? I hear you. But I'm willing to listen, <laughs> and I'm willing to learn. I mean, you go from handwritten checks to all of a sudden you got a computer check, and the computer is always wrong or you know stuff like that. So I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to change. I'm willing to embrace. But uh, somebody's got to show me that. Yeah. And, you know What happens when you check your ego, when you realize, when you admit you don't know anything? I think it opens you up. You, when you have that mentality of put the ego away, be open to suggestions, you, you learn so much more. Yep. And plus that, that energy, that presence that you walk in when, when you are being curious, when you are being inquisitive, when you are acting like you don't have all the answers, it's about building relationships in this industry. When you, when you take that openness, people aren't going to want to like be – they're not going to be uh, turned away from you. You know, they're only going to appreciate you and respect you that much. More. Yeah. And it, it, when you start designing a restaurant on paper, you know, architect tell you, you know, that's going to be blue and that's going to be green. That's going to be red. I'm like, I don't really fight it, but I will, if I really feel it, feel it, but, but they're the pros. So I'm going to listen to them first. Will it change? Maybe. Will it not change? Probably not, but but you gotta you gotta really take that into account and just check the ego at the door. I love it. No matter what, any shift, any minute, any hour, any day, there's people smarter than you. People on the ground, you know, running the plays. Let them do it. Beautiful and uh, and support them. Awesome, man. Uh, so you were starting to get into talking about uh, the second location over at Round Rock, and I cut you off there. Uh, Tom's going to pick it up from there. Yeah, so uh, we never felt we could open the other restaurant. I mean, our, we had the same group of investors. They were they were happy with what, what, what they wanted to know what the next thing was, and, and uh, I saw an opportunity in Round Rock. But 
Our biggest thing was we weren't going to open a, a second restaurant until we had the people yes. in place. Yes. So I, you know, we started um, just kind of stacking up people everywhere, and I would I would beg them to come work for us. So I had you know uh, a rest, restaurant general managers and their past were now waiting tables for us, and and multi unit guys were were managers for us. And I said, just be patient because we're it's going to happen. So we just built this talent pool. So that when we opened the second location, Jack and I had been, one of us had been in that restaurant for the first three or four years that we were open. And we were about to open a second one and, and take take us out of the equation, which which scared our guests and scared our investors. But, but that that's the direction we were going. So we had this talent pool. And the thing that scared me the most was, was, uh, <laughs> was um, we needed to keep the culture. It wasn't about, you know, to me, the success was going to be, uh, wasn't going to be, can we open a, another, you know, another restaurant and staff it with people, but can we open it with, with the people that have the same passion that our wait staff does, that to execute like our kitchen does, and, and everyone believes in the same thing. And that's really just that every guest feels like they're taken care of and they're special and they walk out the door and they're happy and they want to go tell 10 other people. And, and. We were able to do that. We opened the second location in Round Rock, and people come up and say, "I don't know how you did it, but your serv- our servers are happy. They're 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 excited about being there. They're, they're you know they know about the food. They're they're excited about you know the vendors that are eating in the restaurant and the farmers that are eating in the restaurant and the liquor makers that are eating in the restaurant and 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 so they get behind they get behind it and they believe in it and. And they bring that exuberance to the table. I love it. And just, again, the, the power of growing your people before growing your physical Absolute, locations absolutely. is the, the big takeaway there. Uh, what was it like being in two different locations? Now, you guys, there were two of you. So were you guys, like, dividing and conquering? Or how did you approach that, that situation? Well, we felt confident walking away from the first restaurant, you know, for short periods of time. So we concentrated uh, our, all of our time, probably the first three, three or four months at, at the second location and made sure that that culture was, you know, we were watering that culture every day and it was growing and, and we left really good people behind us at, at the original location and talked to them daily and gave them feedback as well. But, but were you guys getting pressure from the investors to, to get more locations going or was that something they were no, not, not so much pressure, but that, you know, they, they were behind it and they were willing to do okay. it. And, and it was always our goal to grow uh, to become a company of restaurants is the way we described it. So. so you mentioned early that you had always wanted to be a restaurant group with multiple concepts. Uh, why not have location three or four be a different concept? Why did you wait uh, until you had four locations of one concept to, to break off and try a different concept? Or was there a concept that in the middle that I missed that might have not worked? Well, we were at, we were at three locations, three Jack Allen's locations, gotcha. and then we opened the, the, the Salt Traders. Was there a strategy to going three deep in one concept first? Uh, just because it's the, the it, we were we've been we've been exceptionally blessed and, and and welcomed by this community and Austin is a size that that can support three or four restaurants that that uh, you know we, we serve uh, you know six out five six thousand guests per restaurant and uh, we were able to we were able to accomplish that and and support it support Jack Allen's just through demand in the city of Austin. And Round Rock and surrounding communities. So the demand was there. I mean, the you, you, you figure out a winning a winning formula. Uh, you're you you have a presence in that community. So at this point, you're just trying to meet the demand. 
Right. And you're going, you're, you're, how did you know where to open the locations? Were you being strategic and not opening them too close to each other? Was that playing into it at all? Yeah. So the second location was, is, is a good, uh, what is it, 20 miles? Yeah. So you're, you have one, the, the first location, Southern Austin, the second location, Northern Austin. Yes. And then, and then third location where we're at right now is on Loop 360, Western. which is. Kind of the central western side of it. I noticed you're not you're away from any like you're uh, Austin establishment, but you're not like in the heart the the center of Austin. Is was that their no? Strategy we, behind that's that? our that was our another one of our strategies is you go into these underserved communities where people are dying for good food. They and, don't want to deal with the traffic to get don't, into. Don't want to go into town. <laughs> yeah. they want something in their neighborhood, and they want something that's affordable, and they want something that's consistent. And if you can. If you can, and, and, and in a nice setting, and if you can do those three things, it's pretty easy. Yeah. Serving a great product, reasonable price, good service, and consistent, mm-hmm. and and people will come back time and again, and 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 love it, and kind of feel like it's you know when they bring people in the town, they bring people here. So I'm loving this conversation. It's hard to believe we're already at an hour and three minutes of recording time. I've gone as long as an hour and a half in an interview. I'm willing to stretch it out a little bit longer. Do you guys have a hard stop I should know about? You're good. I don't want to abuse your time either, but I'm really enjoying this conversation. Um, So any other uh, key uh, variables, any other elements that you think we need to bring to the table to really round off this conversation? I've been loving it to this point. Well, you know, from future restaurateurs, you know, we, we just found that perfect mix with locations. And, you know, the restaurant world, anybody will tell you, it's like, if you're too close to another Jack Allen's, you're going to take away from that, take away from this. We've got this perfect double triangle between Midtown. They call Midtown now is Anderson Lane, 360 to Round Rock. That's a triangle. Midtown, 360 to Oak Hill. That's another triangle. So, you you know, it, yeah, we can open a restaurant two miles from here because there's one available, but what's going to happen? You're going to draw. We'll, yeah. We'll split it. We'll split our staff. We'll split the sales, all that. So it doesn't make sense. So we're very, very strategic on how we choose sites and we back away from 95% of what we offered, 99% of what we're offered. Um, but we like taking over old buildings that need love. Every restaurant we we have has been four or five different restaurants throughout the years. And we go in there, we literally take it down to the sticks, top and bottom, side to side, and we start over. What's the benefit of, of that approach of older buildings? You know, I'm not world? sure. I'm not sure. I mean, if you, <laughs> if you talk to a lot of people, it's like, give me a slab and I'll build build it up. I'm like, nah, there's bones. Let's keep the bones. Let's let's do it the Jack way, J-A-K way. And, uh, and let's create something and that's what we've done you know that's what we do so what did the vision for the seafood restaurant salt and Th- was, uh, so sorry. the vision is uh simply you know i talk to a lot of people every day and they say you know people that live south of the river don't like going to round rock people that live in round rock don't like going you know south of the river so it's one of those things so strategically it was like perfect it's like if you live in the hills or you live, you know, midtown even or even on the on the on three sixty, you can get to our restaurant real quick instead of going downtown. So 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 from Round Rock to Mopac and Bee Cave is a straight line. 
So there could be something on the west side and the east side kind of create that other triangle of salt traders. But we think salt traders got bones, literally, <laughs> shells, <Fish> literally. <laughs> and, uh, and we think it's, it's our next opportunity. And Tom and I are sitting on a third concept that nobody knows about. Okay. I'm, we can't debut it today? No. Okay. <laughs> I wish. So I wish. what was it like? Uh, to, what's, what, what's your advice for somebody who's doing really well with one concept, who has their brand locked in, who's getting that, that bug, that itch to, to continue to create, to get a new concept? What advice do you have for somebody? Try- Let me say a few words. And I'm yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah. I'm going to send over to Tom because he's a lot smarter than I am. But, uh, you know, bottom line is, be true to yourself. Don't try to do it too quick. You'll know when it's ready. Um, and if you're a home run out the gate, and I'm not saying we were because we earned it, but if you're a home run out the gate, um, chill out a little bit, enjoy it, figure it out. And, you know, if you have to deal with the city, and everything that goes along with that, you got another year anyway, even even after you find a location. So take take that year and just develop it, but get your people up front. If you're in the restaurant business to make a ton of money, you're in the wrong business. If you're in the business to have the potential of making a lot of money, do it right. But if you're in the business of just being community-driven, hospitality-wise, and... And, you know, you know, we've got 500 people that work for us and, and we don't take that for granted. I can put my bed, I can put my head down to the pillow every night knowing that they're well taken care of. They have a safe place to work and that's key. You know, it's kind of like, you know, Tom saying, you know, if somebody talked to your wife that way, how would you feel? You know, if my wife worked here, I would want to know that she was taken care of whether it be walking out at night by yourself or coming in and the floors are not slippery and things like that. So just just try to do it right. Mm. Treat people how you want to be treated. I love it. And it's really one of those things where if you, if you just follow that model and don't go in it for the dough, you're going to be fine. Unless you're serving pizza. <laughs> you need a lot of dough. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, Tom, you were going to field that question on what you should take into consideration when pivoting and focusing on a, a different concept, starting from the scratch. And, and well, even a, a second, even going to the second location, that's where a lot of restaurateurs kind of stumble. Why? And and one thing that the, our Jack and I's um, experience in history of traveling and running multi units all over the country. That's where our that's where our experience paid off. But you have to have systems in place that will will transfer from restaurant to restaurant. Like I said, the culture is hard, but it's a lot easier when you have when you have systems in place that are that that are everybody believes in and everybody knows and every, that's the way it's done. And um, you know, because it'll it, it 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 amazes me when I go to different restaurant new restaurants that have just opened and they don't think of everything. That needs to be done. So, for example, how does that bread plate get to the table clean and dry? So, if you're an owner and you're not thinking of what's the what's the path of that bread plate coming from the dishwasher to uh, who carries it, it out? Live? Where does it yeah. live? Where does it get to the table? How does it sit on the table? If you don't have those systems, if they're not ingrained in everybody, then you're going to stumble and you're going to and, and you're going to have a lot of difficulty. 
if you know where that bread plate's going, then go ahead and open your second location. And everybody knows where that bread plate's going. That's, it's that simple. What about, but so it's that difficult. Transferring systems from location to location under similar concepts is one thing. What about transferring systems from one concept to a different concept? Well, if, you're, if your, basic, your basic beliefs are the same, and some of the steps of service, the menu changes, but your basic beliefs are the same, the same, you know, the the level of service at Salt Traders may be a little more elevated, a little more formal, but it's we have the same standards. We have a we have a set of standards of how long it takes to cook food, how long it takes someone to answer the phone, how long it takes someone to get greeted at the door, how long it takes someone to get greeted at their table, how long before we go back and check on them. Those <laughs> things don't change. So you're you're the 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 flavorings and the colors and may be different and and the items may be different but the the standards are the same yeah i had cameron 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 carrington on the show i think that's his last name um out of uh, ohio um not day in columbus ohio uh cameron carrington restaurants i believe yeah. uh and the way he described it is he has multiple concepts and he's like the chassis is the same it's like the chassis is there. The bones are there. We're just putting a different model on the outside. Yeah, absolutely. All the systems, processes, procedures, the culture is the same across the, across the, the restaurant group. We're just, again, like putting a different like, shell on the outside and the, rebranding the same systems and processes and culture. That's, I think that's a really great way to, yeah, to put it. And, and we want people to know that it's, that it's a, a Jack and Tom restaurant. Yeah. And, and it's gonna be, you're going to get the same consistency. You're going to get the same quality of service and, and, and experience. That, that that you would at any of our yeah. restaurants. So one more thing I wanted to get out of you guys before we go to the speed round, which I think is going to be really important, and I made note. You said we learned how to uh, motivate people without screaming. So how do you motivate people without screaming? I think without screaming, I think that's one nugget we can drop on my listeners before uh, heading to the speed round. Well, I think it's I think it's a matter of holding people accountable, and but but before you can hold people accountable, they have to know what the expectations are. So the, the expectations are very, very clear, and then the accountability is there, and you're and their people are taught to, and they're coached, and they're trained, and all your managers are buying into that. They're doing the same thing, and and it's it's not it's not out of you know yelling at them to make them understand, but it's, it's they buy into why rather than um, you know why why do we do a certain thing, we do it for this reason, and then they get explained what that reason is. And they buy into that, and then everybody else around them makes them, you know, kind of conform to that same that same standard. So you you explain the purpose, the reason, the why, uh, and then you give them the the standards, the expectations. So it's a lot about just good communication, understanding the why, and then giving them an aiming point of this is what the job done right, right looks like. And when people have those those tools, those resources in place, that alone is enough to motivate them. It should be okay, and, and sometimes it's not, and sometimes they're not the right fit. So when it's not, is 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 it not a right fit, or do you, is there anything else that you do? Then I start yelling. Okay, <laughs> uh, Jack, did you want to add anything to that? Well, let let me give you a scenario that's that's true to this day. All right, so you're a server, brand new server, and you work in downtown Austin, and you're hired, and your first day is Monday, so. <laughs> The owner, the manager, whoever interviews you says, really not much. Like, where do I park? I don't know. It's it's over there, and it's twenty bucks a day. 
okay. And then you come in, you don't really get an orientation, or you might, and the orientation is real simple. Bathroom's there, host stand's there, kitchen's back there, and all that. How many times have you been out to a restaurant and you ask the server, hey, how's the uh, shrimp scampi? And the server says, I don't know. They don't let us eat here. You know, our staff has eaten everything on the menu. They go through an eight-shift training period, which is about a week. They drank all of our key drinks. And if they don't drink, that's fine. Listen to the person tasting it and get the notes, get the understanding, you know, things like that. Same eating all our food. If you're a vegetarian, you don't want to eat meat, that's fine. At least hear it. But at least you see it and you feel it and you touch it, you smell it. And you listen about it. But everybody that works, everybody that comes through our door that we hire, which, by the way, is very hard nowadays, we we don't take it for granted for one second. We put a lot of grueling money, time, energy into setting that, them up for success. And a lot of restaurant companies don't do that. So, but it's worth it. It's worth, it's worth the investment. If you're going to go through the investment of hiring somebody, teach them and train them right. It's easy to train somebody one time the right way than to retrain and to retrain and to retrain. Yeah. So what I'm pulling from you, Jack, is basically to care, to, to show your people that you care by investing in them, by yep. showing them and they know it. your standards. And that, that translates. That, that The effort that you're putting in to make sure that they are prepared you know, will translate. The majority of people we hire is like, I've never been through training before like this. I want to show you how we do our system and, you know, what screen to look at on the Aloha and things like that and where to pick up food and where table 13 is and where seat one is, seat two, seat three, instead of auctioning food off and things like that. We go through a lot of effort and, you know, every one of our restaurants has about 10 lead servers and they're, I call them teachers, you know, and they have an incredible job and it's a lot of work for them to teach the JK way and uh and but but it's so important to us so important to us my goal is to stop hiring mm. and just keep the people we have but it's, it, you know it's it's the beast it's you know i'm in school i'm graduate school i'm moving to new hampshire <laughs> where it's cold as hell by the uh, way yeah today. i'm not in a hurry to get back that's but for sure it's all about it's all about doing it right <laughs> yeah straight up and tom's right system 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 this has been an, incre- an incredible conversation the only other thing i was kind of hoping we would touch on real quick but you kind of already did a little bit jack when you were talking about there's three types of restaurants the ones that are super money focused the ones that kind of want to make a little money and the ones that are really just focused on being a part of the community and giving yeah. back and it sounds like you're that third one that your your priority I mean, yeah. you guys are making money, but your priority is clearly your community giving back. Yeah. Well, the other, the other thing is if you're in it for the buzz, if you're in it for prestige, you're in the wrong business. If you want to be known as the next, you know, network star or whatever, you're in the wrong business. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, it, it's, fun. It, it's, <laughs> it's called being humble. Yeah, I love it. Um, great stuff. So you got some kind of round? You're going to throw some words uh, at yeah, us? Yeah, I'm going to do a speed round real quick. As, lo- as long as there's anything, I usually give my li- my guests uh, uh, an opportunity to to get anything out that they were hoping would come to the surface, that they were hoping to bring to the table that we didn't get a, a chance to talk about. Now's the time to get it out. I think I'm good. Tom, you good? I'm good. All right, beautiful. I love this conversation. We're going to take a quick break and thank our sponsors. One more time, we'll be right back.
So Revel Systems is a complete POS built to help grow your expanding business. I stand by Revel, and I can tell you why it's so great, but I'd rather get my man Colton Schultz, who's with Grain Junction Subs in the Craft Cave, to tell you why he loves Revel. We have been working with Revel for several years, who has partnered with us to streamline our operations. We have implemented delivery management, employee management, sales reporting, kitchen display screens, and so much more. We also utilize mobile order takers and kitchen display systems that are extremely customizable. Nice. So if there's just one thing that you love the most about Revel Systems, what would it be? It's definitely their vast reporting abilities on the back end. We utilize a lot of the reports such as speed of service, taxes, sales reports, labor reports. It's all there to help you run your business. Beautiful. Guys, and if you're listening to this, Revel works with businesses that are looking to implement cutting-edge technology that helps increase revenue, improve efficiencies, and enhance experience of their employees and their customers. To learn more, head over to revelsystems.com slash unstoppable. So this probably does not come as a surprise to you, but as you can imagine, I look at a lot of restaurant websites because I'm constantly researching my next guest, successful restaurateurs, and you'd be surprised how many of those people have bento box websites. I mean, I almost know instantly when looking at these websites because they're always so stunning and they always check every box, everything that a good restaurant website should have. These websites have them, and it's because they're going to Bento Box to get the work done. And not only will Bento Box leave a lasting impression with your guests, but Bento Box websites come with hospitality-focused tools that are proven to drive revenue online. With Bento Box, you can easily update menus, promote events, share press, sell gift cards, take catering orders, and book private events directly from your website. Bento Box puts you in control so you can focus on what matters most, your restaurant. Bring your restaurant's hospitality online with Bento Box by signing up today at getbento.com slash unstoppable and save up to $1,500 on initial setup for your new restaurant website. And we're back. The first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe each contributes to your success? Let's each one of you maybe give me one characteristic. Passion. What you got, Tom? Uh, Get that mic right up and you took my you took my you guys can both have passion <laughs> that's fine. Uh, what is your biggest weakness? Um, I think I'm unorganized and uh, I, I don't always I don't always know when to when to stop. Okay, how are you dealing with that? Surrounding myself with great people. <laughs> I got it. Uh, Jack, what's your biggest weakness? Uh, same with Tom. Um, saying no. Mm. My biggest weakness. How are you dealing with uh, that that challenge of saying no? Um, I do it in a nicer way, but it's rare that I say no. Yeah, uh, I also think you know it's a weakness, but it's also a strength because I'm sure it served you in getting you to this point, right? It is. Yeah, I it love is. it. Uh, what is one question you ask or thing you look for when you're building your team? Uh, Likeability. Okay. Uh, so just your gut instinct, whether or not you like them? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what is one code of conduct or core value you teach your team? This is a way to be, a way to act. I don't think you can teach how to act. I think you hire how to act. Okay. Um, once you do hire them, is there a core value that you do teach? Uh, is there a core value that you guys have like written down anywhere? Team player. Awesome. In, in the true sense. And do you want to add anything to that, Tom? Well, I think you have to understand hospitality. 
and, and, and genuinely understand hospitality and care for people and, and make sure that, that everyone that leaves that door is happy. What's one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? So this is something that's common within your four walls but not common within the industry. Just that same thing of making sure people are happy. We, we get upset if, if, our, if our servers don't tell us when a guest is, you know, if, a guest, if they try to hide something from a guest or from, from management that a guest. Sweep it under the rug. Sweep it under the rug. And I don't care if it's they got the wrong salad dressing and the server fixed it. I still want the manager to go by and touch that table and make sure that, that those guests are happy. Is, and, and I want the, the, the server to, to understand they're not going to be in trouble. We we're, we're, we're just want to make we just want to smother the guest and make sure that experience so is So you perfect. set that, that culture that you want people to be happy. You make sure you have a, a manager touching every table to make sure every, everybody's happy. Is there one final gate that you make your people jump through to, to, to ensure that everyone leaves your place happy. Is there like a, a, a something that you guys do, a, a process or a system or a, a final checkpoint that happens? So, so I'm going to answer it in a different way. Number one is uh, when we hire somebody and we train somebody, we hire them for their hospitality gestures. And we ask them to forget everything you think you know about the restaurant business. We're hiring you for your hospitality. Mm. And we're going to teach you the JK way. And and then there's one word that we never use in this restaurant, and that is N-O. No. Awesome. Um, okay, the next question we have is, what is one book that will make you a better person or restaurant operator? What was the question? A book that will make you a better person or restaurant operator. A recommended book. I'll pass. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, other than the Bible, um, I, I don't really have one. It's, you know, I'm not really. A, I can throw the Bible in the show notes. I'm cool no, with that. No, <laughs> I, I'm more into walking outside. If, if it's cold, it's cold. If it's hot, it's hot. If rocking into Jack Allen's kitchen, it's boiling hot. <laughs> yeah, I used to read all those books, especially back when we were in the corporate world. And, and to be honest, we just kind of threw all those ideas away. I mean, and and we don't talk about food costs. We don't talk about labor costs. We talk about growing sales and having happy guests. Yeah. You know, if you take care of your people, your guests, your employees, a lot of other stuff tends to follow. Uh, like, so if, you, if you're putting your energy and taking care of your people, your people tend to take, take care of you. And you don't have to be as focused on the bottom line. Uh, yeah. I'm yeah. not saying the bottom line doesn't matter, but... It takes care of itself. Exactly. Uh, what is one technology that you guys have adopted within the past uh, 10 years that has had a huge influence in operations? You're the, the technology guy, aren't you? More or less. <laughs> more than him. Well, I, I think, I think the, uh, a restaurant management system that, that's hooked into your reservation system uh, that gives the, ma- the manager more control on the f- what's going on on the floor. Uh, we were able to increase our table turns by implementing that by, I think, uh, 10% immediately. Which service did you go with? Uh, we use something called uh, Restaurant Connect. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, what is one thing you believe restaurateurs don't do well enough or often enough? They don't listen to their guests. They don't eat in their restaurants enough. And they don't have a pulse on really what's going on. It's not all about the bottom line. It's not all about what you see on paper. It's about walking in and the lights are correct. Music's perfect. Um, everything's clean, organized, and at the end of the day, your staff is happy. And if you don't see a smile, 
guess what? You go home. Yeah. This then, is. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, the other thing that strikes me is uh, someone taught me lo- a long time ago: make it easy to to take take the guest money. Don't think of ways to not take their money. <laughs> so, so that drives me crazy when I can't spend my money in a restaurant in a certain area or to do something and, and just make it easy to take the money. Awesome stuff. So this is the last question. It's a doozy. Get ready for it. Uh, I'm not even sure how you guys are going to answer this. Maybe like each time in one at a time. I'm not sure. But if you had the, if you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work and your restaurants would be lost with your departure with the exception of three pieces of wisdom, three things you know to be true about your success and the, and that you can leave behind for the, the good of humanity and for your legacy. What would those three pieces of wisdom be? You know, it's kind of like what we've been talking about the last hour and a half is is surrounding yourself with great people. Uh, be humble. So, number one, surround yourself with great people. Yeah. Number two, be humble. Be humble. And and throw darts at the wall and what sticks, sticks. What falls to the floor, be done with it. <laughs> Stick with what sticks is number three, and let's add a fourth one or a fifth one on there too. I, th- I think knowing that you left the community better than than when you entered it, okay, is a big one. Do you want to add two more? Or are you cool with four total between the two of you? I don't cut you short. Um, no, I think we're, I think we're good. Awesome. Uh, I loved I loved this conversation. Thank you guys again for taking the time uh, to welcome me into your space, to, to share your story, to share your knowledge, share your mentorship. Uh, we wrap up every conversation by calling somebody out. So who's one independent restaurant operator? Somebody you guys respect and admire and believe and make a great guest mentor on the show. One person mentoring me as a chef is Chef Robert Mayberry. Okay. My mentors in running a business is... Guy Villavaso and Larry Foles. All right. So that was Guy, Larry, and Chef Robert Mayberry. Look out, guys. I'm coming after you. Did you want to add anybody to that list, Tom? Yeah. Early, my early days was uh, Ahmad Madoni uh, with Manuel's. He's still, he's still there. And then, awesome. of course, uh, you know, Guy Villavaso and Larry Foles, had, they, were, they were really our mentors that, that taught us how to, how to run restaurants. Look out. I'm coming after you. So I got one more thing. Oh, yeah. So, so. Tom and I are getting old, but we're still having a ton of fun. And my other mantra is, is to have a ton of fun, and everybody has a great time. Well, but, but here's the deal. Tom and I's role to this day is to create the next Tom and Jack. Yes. And we have those people in place. So if you have a conversation with them in 20 years, I would want them to say, my mentor was... Tom and Jack. I'm so happy we ended on that note because that's exactly the mission of this podcast is to pay it forward to the next generation, to share the wisdom, to share the experience, to share the values and to, and to, to, to send it on to the next generation. And you guys have done that for us here today. So again, I can't say thank you enough. So appreciative of your time. How can we connect if we want to follow your work? Maybe come join your team. What's the best way to connect? Uh, I guess you go on. on I think there's something called a internet www.jackallenskitchen.com beautiful and this is episode 593 head over to awesome 500 (laughs) yeah five bills 593 we're honored baby (laughs) if you uh, head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 593 i'll have a a link and and by the way welcome to austin it's a balmy 78 degrees (laughs) right now is it really that? I thought it was colder than that today. I'm lying. Uh, <laughs> it was it's not TV, degrees. it's radio, right? It, it was 50 degrees when I was eating my lunch on my uh, 
my front yard earlier today, and, and uh, people were looking at me like I was crazy. I'm like, it's beautiful out. It's 50 degrees. I'm from New Hampshire. It's like nine degrees right there right now. Uh, anyway, you guys are awesome. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash five nine. For, what did I say? Five nine three. Five nine three, and I'll have a summary of today's discussion as well as a links to any tool, service, books recommended all over there. Again, thank you guys so much. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. We'll cut it. There we go. Another one wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Jack Gilmore and Tom Cam. Thank you, gentlemen, for taking the time to share your stories, your knowledge, your mentorship. It was awesome. Uh, some great takeaways in today's chat. I think the big one for me is uh, that it, you know success does not happen overnight. Almost 80 years of experience between these two guys before they broke off and did their own thing, and now they're having that that extreme success. And you know, it doesn't take. 40 years apiece, 80 years combined to to get into the industry and be successful. But let me tell you this. Uh, a lot of what made them successful is the fact that they had this experience. It was that experience that drew onto them the, the their investors. These people approached them, right? And also, when they left... Uh, the restaurant they were working at, they were able to bring a team of people with them. And I think that is a huge variable that we overlook when we try to get straight into this industry with no prior experience or we try to rush it. Like you're only as good as your team. And when you can uh, leave a restaurant group and take a team of people with you because they're, because their uh, loyalty is to you and not to the restaurant group, because you care more for them than the overarching restaurant group and you can you can take that with you and you can start with that 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 just a game that that a team of people you surround yourself with i mean you're going to be that much more successful and it, it it's worth being patient it's worth surrounding yourself with these amazing people and starting on the right foot and just Really great stuff today. Also, some great advice on just how to motivate your people without screaming. And you you can see the evolution. You can hear the evolution in their story and who they were when they got into the industry and who they were when they where they are today or who they are today is what I should have said. So great stuff. I love it. And like always, guys, please do reach out to me, Eric at Restaurant Unstoppable. Tell me who you want to hear from. Tell me how I can best serve you. Keep those five-star reviews coming. They help so much. Uh, I love those reviews, too. Not only do those reviews help in iTunes and other platforms to to increase or to make my ranking higher, but it's also great feedback, and I can grow and evolve with those reviews. So thank you if you have written a review. They mean a lot. I have to say it. Please sign up for my email list. Uh, really, all I'm doing there is just keeping you guys up to date with where I'm at, what's on my mind, and what the evolution of Restaurant Unstoppable looks like. And if you sign up for that email list, you can have an influence on what this resource uh, looks like in the future, how we evolve. I'm listening to you. I want to create this for you. So be a part of the community. Sign up for the email list. And then last Lastly, uh, share the word about Restaurant Unstoppable. The best way you can support this mission of inspiring, empowering, and transforming our industry is, is by putting this sucker on the radar of anybody and everybody you know who's aspiring to be great. All right, guys, that's it for today. Thanks so much for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.